Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode where this time we're going to preview Syracuse. We put the UNLV game behind us. And I guess once I release this episode, I should start getting hate tweets from Syracuse fans, right? That's how this works now. Every week a, a new fan base comes after me. And still, if, if you had asked me <laughs> which fan base is going to come at you the hardest over your podcast, I don't even think UNLV would have made the list. Even though we played them, I don't even think they would have made the list. Still hilarious. Whatever. But we've got another game this Saturday. So we got to talk about it. But I did... Put out a tweet, and I did put two things in there. One was, ask a question. I don't even care what the question is. Just ask a question. You'll get an answer. Uh, We'll do that at the end. But I did say I have a big announcement regarding me and my show and at Saturday's count. Only so many Saturdays make them count. The greatest catchphrase in the history of college football. So... I thought about just leading with, hey, if you know, go get your shirts, man. Saturdayscount.com. Get there. Pick your favorite color. Honestly. It ideally it should be the blue and gold. But I'm not gonna tell you what to do. But it's a great catchphrase, the greatest in college football history. And I was gonna save the big announcement for the end, but I'm gonna start with it and finish with it. So it's gonna be a great start and a great end, and we'll see what happens in the middle. But the big announcement is I've been pushing Saturday's count. Those guys are great. They did a little giveaway with the Ohio State game. They've been super cool, supportive of what I'm doing. So here's the deal. If you go to saturdayscount.com and use the promo code ND. 5 ND5 Notre Dame 5 you will receive 40% discount on your entire order so if you're wondering what is, well, what does that mean you're going to get what basically almost half off obviously 40% $8 off because the shirts are twenty dollars, so you're gonna get you can li- almost get two for one. Really, is what it comes down to. But the promo code is ND five, so N Notre Dame or Notre D Dame five me ND five. Easy to remember, easy to plug in. Go to SaturdaysCount.com. When you're placing your order, promo code ND five, you get forty percent off your entire order. That's a really cool thing they're doing, and I, I encourage you guys to go there. Like I said, 
the the best thing about it is you can every one of us has friends family acquaintances whatever that are not Notre Dame fans I know I've got people listening to me right now speak that are not Notre Dame fans they might like Notre Dame a little bit because of me thank you for that but at the end of the day they have their own allegiances their own teams they're cheering on Saturdays right the cool thing about these shirts is there's no there's no logo there's no uh, and I say it's a good thing because you can go get that shirt and be like, hey, man, I like you. You're an awesome friend. I'm not buying anything with a Clemson Tiger on it. Sorry. But here's a great orange and purple, only so many Saturdays, make them count shirt. Uh, I think it's a fun thing. It's a the greatest catchphrase in college football history because it is. There are only so many Saturdays, and you have to make them count, and we have not done a good job of that. But one more time, and I'll bring it up again at the end. Go to SaturdaysCount.com, promo code ND5, and get 40% off your entire order. Go get your shirts. Christmas is around the corner, but will Notre Dame still be playing at Christmas? We don't know, so go get them now. <laughs> so there's still a season left when you have your shirt. <laughs> but we got that out of the way. And now we get to talk about what we think about this upcoming Saturday and if we will or will not make it count. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Okay. When I previewed Syracuse way back when, I don't even remember the date, doesn't matter. Syracuse was a 5-7 and seven team last year and you're just going... Five and seven. They're Syracuse. This is going to be a warm up to the next orange team we got to play. Well, it turns out the orange team we have to play this Saturday is coming in pretty hot, I guess. Kind of, sort of. A, a lot of a lot of mixed signals because they're six and one. Their only loss is to Clemson by six points. And I'm going to get to that game because there's some things within that game that. If you're just stat watching and scoreboard watching, it's it, it doesn't give you the story. It, it just doesn't. And I talked a, bit, a little bit about it at the end of the UNLV recap, how the score ended up being as close as it was. So you might be hearing some things you've already heard from my mouth. It happens. But Syracuse is currently 6-1. and one. They beat Louisville, who did not play really good football at the beginning of the year. They beat UConn. Anybody impressed by that? They beat Purdue. They beat Virginia. They beat Wagner. You know, the Fighting Wags. Are they the Wagner Wags? I don't even know their nickname. Uh, They beat North Carolina State. And they lost to Clemson. So, if you just go through that, well, Louisville, that's a name. They've been decent at college football. UConn, not impressed. Purdue, Virginia, NC State. I'm skipping Wagner. Like, okay, they beat Wagner 59 and nothing. Not interested. Like, that that doesn't do anything for me. That's. I have to pause because, like, what I want to say or what I'm going to say is just 
it didn't happen. What Wagner was to Syracuse is what Marshall should have been to Notre Dame. Call it what it is. Or UNLV, for that matter. 59 to nothing. I mean, Notre Dame could have been winning 59 to nothing at the half if we had any clue how to move the ball in plus territory and giving numerous opportunities via block punts and just overall good defense. But I'm not counting the Wagner game. 59 to nothing. Good job. Good on you, Syracuse. You did what you were supposed to do. You blew the doors off of a team you were supposed to blow the doors off of. I wish Notre Dame could say the same thing. But here's the thing about the rest of Syracuse's games. And just to fit, just for perspective, just for perspective, this is why I'm not counting the 59-0 Wagner game. You would never even guess. Like, unless you knew, you would never guess the total yards Wagner had in their game against Syracuse for four quarters. Because the answer is 50. 50 total yards of offense. They were 2 of 6 passing for 19 yards. And they had 31 rushes for 32 yards. Oh, sorry, sorry. I got it backwards. It was worse than that. It was 32 rushes for 31 yards. They had more rushes than yards. That's never good. I'm just saying, like a one-to-one ratio is not how you want to go about running the football. Meanwhile, Syracuse was 18 of 18, passing, for 243. They had 39 rushes for 388 yards, which comes out to an average of 9.9 yards a carry. Somehow they still had eight penalties. Syracuse did. It just, there was nothing, like there was nothing to take away. Sean Tucker had 232 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Um, that accounts for a lot of his yards. He is good. and we'll, we'll talk about Sean Tucker. He is good. But, you know, almost a third of his yards came in one game. So, and it was not an opponent worth a crap. So you look at Louisville again. They started off bad. They beat them. Syracuse won thirty-one to seven, and in the beginning, you're like, "What does that mean? Is Syracuse that good? Is Louisville that bad? Who knows?" But they beat Louisville. Then they play UConn. They went forty-eight to fourteen. Again, talk about throwing up some numbers: four hundred and seventy total yards, twenty-one to twenty-six passing, uh, one hundred fifty-six yards rushing. Tucker, again, 112 yards. So there's, what, 340 yards against UConn and Wagner for Tucker. It's, the their offensive numbers are very misleading. And you could say that about Notre Dame's offensive numbers too, in the sense of, wow, all their numbers came just in a few games. Oddly and weirdly, and unexplainably, is that even a word? Unexplainable? Yeah, sure. We're going unexplainably. We're going to roll with it. I think it's a word. Notre Dame's big numbers 
came against a ranked North Carolina team and at the time ranked BYU team and it's it's weird right cuz the games where we did not have stellar numbers were against Marshall and Cal and Ohio State but that's a given like that's that was it, you. You weren't gonna put up video game numbers against Ohio State, win, lose, or draw. It was not gonna happen. You probably expected that first game of the season, especially Tyler Buckner first start, all that stuff, right? But then you look at Marshall and Cal, and even UNLV for that matter. Well, we did win forty-four to twenty-one. Uh, the the stats just didn't look like they should have against a UNLV team. But then you look at BYU and North Carolina, who, by the way, still their only loss is to Notre Dame. You played really good football. Did a lot of great things. It's super weird. So, Syracuse built all these numbers against UConn and Wagner. And then... They beat Purdue 32-29. to thing about that game is they were seven seconds away from not winning that game. They scored a touchdown with seven seconds to go. Okay, great. Then they come back and they beat Virginia 22-20. to And in that game, they were a minute 14 seconds away from losing because they kicked a field goal with a minute 14 to go, to go ahead. Then Wagner. Then they beat North Carolina State, who I think is a decent team, and they beat them 24-9, but however, North Carolina State didn't have Dennis Leary. <laughs> Whoops. Not, that, if they had Dennis Leary at quarterback, it'd be funny. I'll give him that. There'd be some comedy involved. But he would not be good because he's, I don't even know how old he is anymore. But they didn't have Devin Leary, who is kind of important to North Carolina State's offense. And... I'm jealous of that. Like, yeah, they lost, but at least they can say, hey, we didn't have our quarterback. Uh, Notre Dame can't really. Like someone put out, uh, you know, the, uh, Clemson pulled their star quarterback. You guys saw this tweet I put out, I commented on. Uh, Clemson pulled their star quarterback to to win the game and went to the, the backup, the freshman, and whatever. You know, Would Marcus Freeman have the courage to do that well first of all you need a star quarterback to pull a star quarterback if you don't have a star quarterback it doesn't really matter what you do like let's start there let's worry about having the decision to to pick between two five stars because that sounds like fun wouldn't that be a fun conversation which which five star do we start this week i don't know there's too many of them i got too many i don't know what to do so many yeah we don't have that luxury We've got five foot nothing, hundred nothing Drew Pine uh, hitting linemen in the back of the head, getting balls batted down like crazy, and that's what he talking about ball, getting balls batted down. They're watching for the changes and try to keep up. the 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 people who are on the inside who get to see these practices, it they referenced it again because it's becoming an issue. Balls getting batted at the line of scrimmage. And real quick, uh, Tommy Reese, hey, feel free to roll Drew Pine out just a, just a bit, you know, so he's not throwing over the linemen who are twice his size. Just an idea. 
Just an idea. Drew Pine is not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He's not. I know we rag on Jack Cone. We'll call it. He's not Jack Cone. The kid can move a little bit. So maybe roll him out some. Just a thought. But the the beat writers were saying, as far as the the practices they were uh, privy to and could see, was nothing stood out over the top in uh, quarterback play. But it was noticeable how many balls Drew Pine got batted down to the line of scrimmage. That was something that was noticeable enough to warrant a comment. Huh. So it's not like this is, oh, man, all of a sudden he's getting his balls bad down. Well, it doesn't make any sense. He's been doing it since spring. We have, have we, again, this is, like some of the Tommy Reese stuff is execution, but some of it is just plain, like, ignorance. I don't know what to call it. If you know he's undersized and you know he's getting balls batted down and you know it's a common thing and you know it leads to interceptions, why are you setting him up for that? Don't get it. Don't get it. But anyway, uh, NC State didn't have Devin Leary. And so almost lose to Virginia, almost lose to Purdue, beat North Carolina State without their quarterback, and then you lose to Clemson by six. You're like, oh, man. They played a hell of a game against Clemson. No, they didn't. They they just, if I'm Syracuse, I'm absolutely saying, we play, oh man, we had Syracuse on the ropes. We were were about to rope-a-dope them and just, you know, actually, you got rope-a-doped is what happened. Uh, Syracuse turned the ball over four times. Four. Inside the Syracuse 20. One of which was inside the 5. So, let's just say none of those result in a touchdown. It's probably resulting in a field goal. So that's at least 12 more points. Which now, all of a sudden, instead of 27-21, you're losing 39-21. to Looks a little different, doesn't it? And I'd like I I say I'd like to think my my boys Casey and Marty and Locks can correct me. Half of those are probably leading to touchdowns. So let's just say that half of them are touchdowns, half of them are field goals. So there's fourteen, six. There's twenty points. Now it's forty-seven twenty-one. Did Syracuse really play Clemson that close? Not really. And not to mention Clemson ran for 293 yards. They did only run for five yards a carry because they run the ball 60 times. Here's my takeaway from that. What did Notre Dame do against UNLV? Now, I, real quick, I'm not comparing UNLV to Syracuse. We'll, we'll get to some of the numbers. I'm not comparing UNLV to Syracuse. But. Notre Dame ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball some more and ran the ball an extra time and then ran the ball another time and then like 15 straight times to answer what I'm trying to do here. 15 consecutive runs. And I'm saying all that to say Syracuse was struggling throwing the ball. In fact, the pulled star quarterback for the freshman star quarterback, the freshman Cade Klubnik threw all of four passes. And he played most of the game, from what I understand. And DJU's stat line was 138 yards and two picks. 
Uh, I say most, I think most like, all the second half or whatever the hell it was. It don't matter. Clubbing through four passes. Oh yeah, he he came in and led them back to victory. No, he handed the ball off to Will Shipley, however many times, whatever the number was. That's what the answer is. But what that means for Notre Dame is, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but we struggle with the pass. We're not good. However, we can run the football. So if you can't throw the ball, and Sir Clemson just gave you, and we're, again, we're not Clemson, nor is Syracuse UNLV, but we have been given a blueprint that I think we can work with if Tommy Reese decides to utilize this. And there's not a lot of examples or uh, a proven track record of him being able to do something with this information, but we'll see. I'd love to see it. Um, But Syracuse is really not that good. Um, Still sticking on the Clemson-Syracuse game. Clemson ran for 293 yards. Syracuse had a total of 291 yards of offense. So Clemson outgained Syracuse's entire team just on the ground. Now, again... If you're having trouble throwing the ball, what what's your what do you do? You run the ball. And I feel like that's going to be a thing for us. Because it has been an issue for us. I don't see how it, all of a sudden it's... I, and as I'm saying it, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe it's not because, again... North Carolina, BYU, Ohio State, even though we lost, we we came out a lot with some confidence, right? It was it, we don't love moral victories and it, it was but you had to find a, a silver lining to move forward with the season and it was that that could very well end up being Ohio State's closest game. Okay? So you know, call it what it is. And we seem to show up at these weird times. But we can't throw the ball. we got to be able to run the ball. And it, it, it's going to be easier said than done. Because UNLV was the uh, or is the 104th ranked defense against the Rush. While Syracuse isn't that great, but a lot better. They're 55th in the country. They only give up 138 Yards a game, but interesting enough, so does Notre Dame. Notre Dame gives up 138.3 rushing yards a game, and Syracuse gives up 138.7 rushing yards per game. Very similar. They both give up four yards a carry, too. So, you know, there's an opportunity there, and I'll, I'll get to all that. But the, the thing about Syracuse's offense, which, again, last game was weird. Sean Tucker is... One of the best running backs in the ACC. I don't want to say country. I don't want to say speak too too big, but within the ACC, absolutely one of the top running backs. And against Syracuse, he had five rushes for fifty-four yards. Or against Clemson, five rushes, fifty-four yards. That's a solid output. But from what I gather, he had like two rushes in the second half. It doesn't make any sense. It was a close game. I that it was close, not because Syracuse was doing anything special. Clemson was. 
uh, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. But still, it's a close game, regardless of how it ended up being a close game, and you're not giving Sean Tucker the ball. And in the games coming in to that, he was averaging 21 rushes per game, 107 yards. Again, the the yardage and 5.1 yards per carry it were inflated with Wagner and UConn. But 21 rushes a game, that's, I mean, he's getting the ball, regardless of what his output is and who it's against. They're giving him the football, but then against your easily, without question, the toughest game on the schedule, he touched the ball five times. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but Schrader, the quarterback, who we'll, we were going to talk about right now, he had 21 carries for 71 yards against Syracuse, against Clemson. I'm looking at Syracuse and saying, against Clemson, 21 carries, 71 yards, and he threw for 167. So let's talk about Syracuse's offense first, and then we'll talk about the team's and how we compare and, and things like that. And as we go through this, I'm going to drop some comparisons between their offense to Notre Dame's offense because there's a lot of similarities that we can appreciate, <laughs> if you want to use that word. But it's one, of, it's one of those things where we're seeing Syracuse doing this and we're doing the same thing, yet I, I'm wondering if, Syracuse is going to uh, adjust or attempt to adjust because Notre Dame's not. Yeah, but whatever. But Garrett Schrader, quarterback, on the season, he's thrown for 1,600 yards, 1,601, with 13 touchdowns and four interceptions. I, I'd love Drew Pine to have those numbers. I mean, honestly, and, 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 and he's completing the ball at 70%. Because that we're not doing that. I mean, where, where's Drew Pine's numbers? I don't even have them in front of me, but I'm going to look them up for you real quick. Because it ain't that good. Pine is 63%, 12 touchdowns, and three picks. So, again, I'm surprised. I didn't know the number was that high for his touchdowns. Good, good on him. But he only has 1,000 yards passing. And I know we didn't play the first game in a half. But would a game and a half add 600 yards to his passing total? Unlikely. It's, it, it's unlikely. It, chances are zero. So, but so Schrader's doing that. He's also their second leading rusher at 371 yards total, and six touchdowns. He's absolutely mobile, can absolutely move, and he can make things happen. And just think of it this way. And I've said this before already. If we made Jack Plummer look damn near like Lamar Jackson at times, if we made Harrison Bailey look super elusive, What's going to happen when we play an actual running elusive quarterback like Garrett Schrader? That concerns me. That concerns me because we could shut shut down their Sean Tucker. We can shut down their receivers, mainly just one, who I'll talk about here in a second. But if we're not tackling Schrader and we're not wrapping him up, which we haven't been able to do, 
all season? I mean, even go back to Ohio State. I still give more credit to Ohio State than Notre Dame's lack of tackling. But we got C.J. Stroud once, first play of the game, never touched him again in terms of sacks or, or really got close. And But Ohio State was rolling him out. Golly, what a novel idea. Maybe Tommy Reese should go back and watch Ohio State run their offense and get some clues. But no, he's busy watching the NFL so we can run tight end quarterback sneaks. Anyway, Schrader is going to be a big part of whether we win or lose this game. Okay, so if he ends up with a stat line where he's running for 70, 80 yards and somehow ends up with like 200 passing, I, I don't like those numbers. I, I don't like how... Because that probably means they're scoring points and... Notre Dame struggles to do that. But quite honestly, so does Clemson. Or Clemson. I keep looking at... So does Syracuse. Oh my goodness. They're orange. I'm thinking of Clemson for next week. Hopefully the players aren't. Don't think ahead. You can't think ahead with Syracuse. You can't. Not right now. No, you can't. But their, their output... Again, I'm removing the 48 against UConn and the 59 against Wagner. Not interested. 31. These are their... Their totals. These are Syracuse's totals. 31, 32, 22, 24, 21. They're not exactly, you know, throwing the scoreboard into a a tizzy. They're not Tennessee. Okay? So they're not going to score a lot. But here's the problem. And you know what I'm going to say. I'll even give you a second to say it for me. The problem is with Syracuse really not being able to score is neither can we. <laughs> and neither can we. It's it's going to be a race to like 20 points because I'll get to the defenses. They're actually very comparable and, and pretty solid. Both both defenses. Uh, you know, if, if a team can get to, you know, 27, 28 points, that... That should lock up a victory. Like, that should be done and done. Because it's great that they're having trouble scoring against teams that I think, I, I don't know the specifics, but I, I can I feel confident enough that I think Notre Dame has a better defense than most of the defenses Syracuse has played so far, outside of maybe Clemson. And they're having trouble scoring. So they should have trouble scoring against us. Oh, what does that mean for us? Who knows? And that's the fun mystery. It's the f- Who knows? But the thing about their offense is, yes, they go through Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader quite a bit. And so much so that obviously Schrader's their quarterback, but he's their, Schrader's their second leading rusher and Tucker is their second leading receiver. So that's how integrated... Schrader and Tucker are outside of what you would expect them to be. Okay, Schrader throws the ball. Cool. He's going to lead the. He's going to have the most passing yards. Obviously, he's quarterback. Well, Tucker's going to lead the team in rushing. Of course, he is. Well, the quarterback is also the second leading rusher, and the running back is the second leading receiver. They're important to the team, but their number one receiver is a guy you may have heard of, sort of, Arande Gadsden. 
the second. And I say the second because if you're as old as I am, which I don't, some of you may may not be. I don't know. I'm I'm getting up there. I'm getting closer and closer to forty, and my body is reminding of it, reminding me of that daily. It is Thursday, and I'm not even joking. My boys wanted to mess around on the pull-up bar, and I don't work out regularly. I really should. My boys wanted to mess around on the pull-up bar on Sunday. I am still sore on Thursday from messing around on the pull-up bar. By messing around, I mean, watch, hey guys, watch what Daddy can do. And now Daddy is still sore on Thursday. Yes, it's... I, I see you, 40. I see you, 40 years old. You're getting way too damn close. Get, get back. Get back. I don't... Uh. Anyway, if you're as old as me, you might know the name of Rondé Gadsden. And if you don't, I'll help you. He is Rondé Gadsden the first. He's a Super Bowl winning wide receiver. Correct. He was with the Dallas Cowboys in 95. Um, I don't think he didn't play. I don't think he played a game. I cannot find a stat. I tried to, but he is a Super Bowl champion. He was on the roster on the team. He just I don't think he played <laughs> at all. Where you might know him from is his time from '98 to 2003. He was a member of the Miami Dolphins, and uh, I remember the name mostly. And some of you who are from the Northeast might as well if you're again close to my age and we're watching the NFL between '98 and 2003. Um, you know, because you're getting the Jets games up there, and the Jets play the Dolphins quite a bit. But uh, like most regional coverage, if you're the Jets, or in my case, I'm a Giants fan, if they're not on, you're going to get the likely one of your divisional opponents on the TV. So the Dolphins ended up being on the TV quite a bit in, in place of the Jets. So I was familiar with Ronda Gadsden because he was one of the main receivers back during that time. Uh, you know, he had... What, four consecutive seasons of about almost 50, what, two over 50, two under 50 catches. But for his career, 227 catches, 3,250 yards, and 22 touchdowns. Pretty solid NFL career, despite it only being, what, five, six years, 98-03. Not bad. Well, now his son is the focal point of Syracuse's passing game. I, I As a Notre Dame fan, I wish I knew what it was like to have uh, a guy be the focal point of your passing game. I mean, if, do we? I don't, we don't have a guy like that. Oh man, oh man. Yeah, yeah, we do actually. Michael Mayer. He is exactly what a Rondé Gadsden is to uh, Syracuse and Garrett Schrader. So like the way Schrader and Gadsden link up is the same way Pine and Mayer look up. And I do have to, I made a comment in my last episode that I was saying how uh, if I, if I love my wife the way Drew Pine loves Michael Mayer and throwing to Michael Mayer, I'm going to have a very successful marriage. And I thought that was a great analogy, but I got to give a shout out to my boy, Jimmy Gallagher. And I know most of you listening know who I'm talking about at JL Gallagher three on Twitter. So I made made the comment that man, if I love my wife the way Drew Pine loves Michael Mayer, I am all set 
But his analogy was way better because I think it's more true, quite honestly. He said, I wish my wife looked at me the way Drew Pine looks at Michael Mayer in triple coverage with no shot for success. That's true love. <laughs> it's that, Jimmy, you, that is perfect. It's true. If your significant other looked at you the way Drew Pine looks at Michael Mayer in triple coverage, knowing there's no way in hell this ball is getting completed, but I'm still going to throw it, that's love. That, oh, that's love. So that's what Trader does with Gadsden. Um, it's, it's crazy. Here's the thing, though. And I, I, I love Michael Mayer, and he's fantastic. I just wish our main target was an actual wide receiver like Gadsden is. I don't know. I feel like that would be good. You know, because you look at, at least in Syracuse's offense, they've got four receivers over 10 catches. Um, we don't. Nope. Not Notre Dame. And I went ahead and looked. Michael Mayer has 44 catches for 526 yards. And six touchdowns. Gadsden has 37 catches for 593 and five touchdowns. So yardage is very, very similar. 593 to 526. Catches 37 to 44. They're, they're very similar. But... There is still activity happening on the Syracuse's offense outside of Gadsden. Tucker has 28 catches. He's got 216 yards and two touchdowns. But then from the actual receiver position, they've got guys. Yes, Gadsden's got 37, but they've got guys with 18 catches, 12 catches, 11 catches. So they've got guys combining for 41 catches and 505 yards. Like, meanwhile, all of our receivers combined. And again, that's not including Gadsden, who is a wide receiver. I'm emphasizing the wide receiver in this deal here. All of our receivers combined have 50 catches. Like, what are we doing? Like, that's crazy. They barely, barely eclipse Michael Mayer. But if you include our, uh, wait, I, I think he's fourth leading receiver, Tyree. If we include Tyree, skip, what, regardless of position, your top receivers, um, it's still, we don't spread the ball around enough. And, and it is absolutely a problem. And, that's what we have to fix because here's the deal. All right, offensively, Syracuse, Notre Dame, they, they match up. They're almost they're like the same, okay? Uh, points per game, Syracuse ranks 51st, we rank 73rd. Uh, yards per game, we rank 71st, they rank 76th. The yards per game, we have 386 per game, they have 375. Uh, we're, we run the ball a little bit better. 178 yards to their 144, but they throw it a little bit better, 231 to R208. But at the end of the day, we're, both offenses are ranked in the 70s, literally right in the middle of the entire country in terms of total offense. So 
I, it, it's really crazy. Like what you – and I again, I know some of those numbers are inflated because they played UConn. And I don't even think – I've said this before. Where I get the stats does not include games against FCS teams, So, uh, which I believe Wagner is. I, I don't believe they're FBS. So the 59 and nothing and the all the, the the team stats. Now the player stats still exist. So Tucker's uh, 698 yards rushing and 5.4 yards of carry. That still includes uh, the Wagner game. But from the team side of things, like their points per game does not include the 59 against Wagner. So, but their offenses are very similar statistically. And then you look at it, and it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. We're, the only difference we have is we have three guys that can run the ball. I say that kind of not confidently. Do we still have three? I think we're, we're down to Tyree and Diggs because we have, we have an estimate fumbling problem. But you still gotta, he's got to be out there. Like you, I don't know what you can do. Go Lou Holtz, Lee Becton and make him walk around campus with the football and send out a message to the entire student body. If you see, I almost said Lee Becton, but that was the example. If you see Estime on campus with a football, try to knock it out of his hands. Uh, just whatever you have to do. understand ball security is, it's the most important thing on the field. So we got to hang on to it. I know he wants to fight for extra yards. I know he wants to use his big body and, and you know, move people around and get those extra yards. But at the same time, it, I'd rather have one less yard than a fumble. And fighting for extra yards means you're going to fumble. Let's not do that. Cool. Sound like a good deal? So we've got more from the running back side of things. But it, it, it's just a really similar offense. Defensively, um, Oh, by the way, they average, uh, they're like plus one per game in the turnover margin. We're negative one per game. That could be a thing. Let's get some turnovers. But defensively, they give up 17.7 points per game, which ranks 10th in the country. But Notre Dame's only at 21.9, which ranks 30th. And some of those points are just, like, we shouldn't have given up 21 to UNLV. Uh, But... At the end of the day, you look statistically, you would take Notre Dame's defensive statistics. It's just how it got made is not awesome. There's just too many little things. Uh, Poorly timed safety blitzes, missed tackles, not wrapping up the quarterback, untimely 70-whatever-yard runs, just things like that, right? But total defense, we rank 23rd, they rank 20th. 335 yards a game to 340. Rush defense, I already told you. We give up 138.3. They give up 138.7. And also, we both give up four yards of carry. Passing defense, they're ranked 22nd. We're ranked 28th. They're just under 200 yards. We're just over 200 yards. It, And I'm saying all that to say, no. if you know what Notre Dame's defense is, that's basically what you're going to get with Syracuse. It, We can beat them. But we we have to just you gotta play smart. And you know, there's we keep I keep saying the same stuff. And so here's 
Here's what we need to see to win. All right, I know I've been going for a while, and I'm going to get to the the questions um, that we uh, were posed. We need. This is the start of what our season has come down to. Our season is now down to ruin other people's seasons. Okay, yes, it'd be. Amazing. Next level, if we end this season nine and three. Does anybody really see that happening? Honestly, uh, I'd love it, but it, it, and I, I say, is it possible? Who the hell knows? Is is the North Carolina Notre Dame team going to show up? Is the BYU team Notre Dame team going to show up? Is the one that looked like it had some things to build on against Ohio State going to show up? Or is the Marshall, Cal, UNLV, can't move the football when you have to, going to show up? I, who knows? But this is the start of, hey, let's ruin Syracuse's season for sure. They've already lost one game. Let's, let's knock them down a peg again. And again, I, I, I keep saying the same stuff. Let's make this be a confidence builder going into Clemson. Because that... Got to ruin their season. We got to. That's that's what we're playing for now, guys. The forget New Year's Six. Forget obviously college football playoff. That's that ship. That ship has sailed. It is halfway around the world, and we were not on it. It's gone. <laughs> boat done sank. Ain't left the dock. <laughs> that's that's actually what happened there. The boat done sank. Ain't left the dock. So we got to. Like play to to just ruin other people's seasons. USC at the end. I don't know what else there is to do. And I said, after losing to Marshall, after losing to Stanford, embarrassingly, I'm still going to talk about this team and where it can get better and how we can win football games. Because I'm I'm not accepting that. Well, that's it. Just pack her in. Good try. Come back next. No. There's so many things at play that, you know, I, I, I want to see some things. I'd love to see Steve Angeli get out there. In, in, in what situation, though? Because here's the deal. You have to show it's, – it's just such a fine line. You have to show the team you're still trying to win football games. And if it, we don't know what practice looks like, and if Steve Angeli is not doing it in practice – and then you start throwing them out there in, in key spots and games, the team's going to know, like, dude, this guy was not that good in practice. Now he's just throwing them out there. Are we even trying to win anymore? And what does that bleed into? That bleeds into recruiting. That bleeds into, you know, the, the current rod. It's, it's a fine line to walk if you start just doing stuff to do stuff. Okay? Having said that, we still got to be willing to do things that work and try to win football games and just like Tommy Reese needs to wake up because he he continues to do things that don't make sense to me. It's not so much playing bingo or grabbing the bingo balls and, oh, I'm going to run that play now. That's what I pulled out of the bag. Sorry, guys. Uh, we got to be able to build off of things, and I don't see it, and it drives me insane. Like the Mitchell Evans thing. I did confirm. I said it. I was pretty confident, but I confirmed. The dude played quarterback. He didn't actually play tight end in high school. Mitchell Evans played quarterback. 
So if you're going to have him run this little QB tight end sneak thingamajigger, why not use that to set up something else against a team like Syracuse, who is 6-1, who is a solid opponent, who can beat us. If Marshall and Stanford can beat us, Syracuse can absolutely beat us. And it's in the what used to be the Carry Dome. It's not the giant air conditioner anymore. It's the JMA Wireless Center or Stadium or Dome or whatever, which I heard that the, <laughs> the service there isn't great. I find that hilarious. But I bet the giant air conditioner didn't cool down and the JMA Wireless Center doesn't provide good wireless service. Hilarious. Anyway, we're at Syracuse. They can absolutely beat us. Like, they can absolutely beat us. So we we can't just... I feel like Tommy Reese does this thing where it's like, okay, nice, that play worked. All right, what's next? Like, without thinking, hey, if that works, what can I run off of that? What can we do next? What's the next evolution? What's the next variation of that? It's just like, it's it's a bingo mindset. Check off a box and move on. Well, hang on. Chill out, buddy. Just calm down. We can do other stuff off of that. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I think the defense is going to do what the defense does. Um, well, I don't want to say that too loosely. I, the defense is going to keep Syracuse around the 20-point mark. How they get there, I hope, is acceptable. It's not a third down and 12, and we miss Schrader, and all of our DBs are in. Nobody's paying attention. They're all in coverage, and he runs and gets 13 yards. Just past the first down sticks. You know, little things like that. I don't want to see that. I really don't. Um, but, you know, they, they've, they've got some some players. and uh, But what I, I'm banking on the Notre Dame we saw against North Carolina, the Notre Dame against the team we saw against BYU, and, in fact, the Notre Dame team we saw against Ohio State because that will be the best offense we face all season, and we held them in check. So I'm banking on... The offense that showed up in North Carolina and BYU and the defense that showed up in Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame wins. Like, I I don't want to get too, too, too crazy here. Because um, I... I'm going to say 24-17. I want to say 27-17, but I just... I don't know if we'll get a 10. We're going to cover, by the way. Minimum, we're covering. Uh, I think... What's the spread now? What did it get to? Oh, it's two and a half. Okay. Well, still, we're going to win. I'm calling a win, so obviously we're covering. We're the underdog. We win. Go Irish. Um, but no, 24-17. That's a fair number. Uh, we just... I I have to see stuff that makes me feel like we understand what our personnel can and can't do. And if that means run the ball 60 times, that's another thing. If you see Drew Pine just doesn't have it, which he hasn't. Um, Syracuse has shown you can't run on them. Like, yeah, Clemson ran the ball 60 times. They still average five yards a carry. So let's not act like, oh, they ran it 60 and, you know, didn't even get 200 yards. No, they got almost 300 so, you, they can be run on. Oh, and worth noting, 
of those 293 yards, I think I said this again in my last episode, you you see that and you're like, oh man, they must have had a like, you know, two or three like 40, 50, 60 yard runs. Negative. Negative. They had one 50 yard run and one run of 21. Everything else was under 20 yards. So it was just little, you know, what average of five yards a carry. Five yards here, five yards here, five yards here, five yards here. Then you know, maybe maybe it's just obviously two yards, then ten yards, and then then boom, you break a fifty yarder out of nowhere. But just the, it wasn't like Clemson was literally running, you know, eight yards a carry. No, it was methodical, and Notre Dame can do that. And with that in mind, I, it's going to be a low scoring game. So I say twenty four seventeen. Today's college football that is extremely low scoring. We there's a blueprint out here out there. To beat Syracuse. And Syracuse is good this year. But I still think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors happening with their team. It feels a little bit like Notre Dame's 2012 team where they're scraping by. You know, they caught Louisville when they weren't all together yet. Last second touchdown against Purdue. Last second field goal against Virginia. Um, They catch North Carolina State without their star quarterback. They almost beat Clemson on a bunch of weirdness give up 300 yards rushing but Clemson turns the ball over four times inside the opponent's 20 which should have led to some kind of points like I said the final should have been something like 40 to 21 instead of 27 to 21 so viewed a little bit differently if that's the outcome right so you know it's I like Notre Dame to win we have to shut down Schrader and not let him get loose Bracket Gadsden, treat Gadsden the way Stanford treated Michael Mayer, and force them to, I guess, only give the ball to Sean Tucker five times because he's a pretty good running back. But if he only gets the ball five times, it really doesn't matter how good he is. That's not enough quantity to be impactful, you know. But he is a he is part of the passing game too. It's it's a it's a three amigo system they run, you know. Again, similarly to how Notre Dame operates. But uh, we have, uh, you know, well, no, we don't have Pine the way they have Schrader. But it's Mayer and then our three amigo running back system. Uh, but we, we've seen things that work. Jet sweeps to Lindsay. And Lindsay gets open. Please hit him. So, And that's the thing. We've seen plays on film. We just got to get in Drew Pine's brain that you can attempt to make that throw. Now, if he's not hitting it, which he hasn't, and I realize that, but that's an executional thing. That's not a Tommy Reese sucks at play calling thing. That's a your quarterback sucks thing, which I guess you can kind of blame Tommy Reese for that too. But nonetheless, we just, they're beatable. They're absolutely beatable. We should be celebrating a win on Saturday. Make this Saturday count. Notre Dame 24, Syracuse 17. Now, I want to finish because I did. I, I, you know, I never did questions. It's never been a, a, a thing. I said, you know what? Screw it. I got some free time. Yeah, we're going long today. We're we're going long. Um, got a couple more things, but first, I'm gonna do the questions. We had a little Q and A session with Five Foot Nothing. Let's go. All right. First up for the first ever Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing. Q&A is 
at ND underscore for underscore ever underscore ND forever. And how appropriate is this? He's the first up and the first stream podcast, whatever you want to call it, involving my voice and Notre Dame football was with Sean and at ND forever. So that's kind of convenient. But hey, if we're going to do Q&As, we're going to do them the right way. All right. I just throw it out there. Oh, and uh, early car bombs this weekend, fellas. And uh, Jimmy, you're getting two shout outs. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing now because you think 11 a.m. start in Texas sucks. I only feel for you in 9 (laughs) a.m. in Oregon. But all right, first up, Indy forever. We're four and three. Who's to blame? Injuries, coaches, players, refs, or all of the above? All right, I'm going to knock out one of them real quick. The referees, no. There's, we can't. Like, you want to blame the rest for the, the Stanford fumble that wasn't. Uh, you want to talk about some things that were missed in the Marshall game. At the end of the day, here's the deal. We shouldn't have been in a position to be complaining about the refs against Stanford and Marshall. It's that simple. You 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 can't complain about refs in a game that should have never come down to refs. So I'm not going to hear, yeah, the call against Stanford was terrible. I'm not. We can't deny that. But I'm not going to say they have they have anything really to do with our embarrassing performance against both Marshall and Stanford in different ways. Stanford it was like we forgot how to play offense. You know, high schools run better offenses. Marshall, we just it was like we weren't ready to play. Uh, I'm not going to blame the refs. Injuries. That one's interesting because there were some things that were happening that are different now than they were. Like the offensive line was trying to figure it out. And it, I I feel like if Tyler Buckner had the offensive line that Drew Pine has, where he has all the time in the world to look for only Michael Mayer, if Tyler Buckner had that offensive line, I don't believe we're in the situation we're in. Does that mean we're 6-1? and one? I kind of think we are. Only because I think Mayer's got a better arm. And Mayer. See, I'm, I I love Michael Mayer too. Uh, Buckner's got a better arm. But Buckner's mobility was such a big part of the beginning of our season. It was so important. Uh, sadly. But that's what the offensive line was. Now, if you had given him the pockets that True Pine's getting, sign me up for that. And I think we have a very, very different looking offense. And there were other injuries, but I think that's that's the key one we have to worry about, right? And uh, I mean, you can go back Avery Davis if we have him as our wide receiver group look different, but that's not even his injury was so long ago. Uh, but those it's just Buckner. That's the big one. That changes the whole dynamic of what we're going through right now and why we're talking about Drew Pine the way we are and the things he can and can't do and this, this, this. And so for sure, injuries have played a role. However, injuries are part of football, all right? And if you're going to have an injury with a quarterback, 
who hasn't he hasn't shown he's that guy. He hasn't shown to be Trevor Lawrence or uh, Deshaun Watson or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever. He he just he hasn't proven that. So to assume that the Buckner injury is like entirely season changing, I don't know because again it, I feel like this comes back to. Um, combination of uh, coaching and players is what's the other part of the injury coaches players coaching when it comes to football has to be your ability to adjust and adapt and, and pivot and it doesn't feel like there's any of that happening um, you know defensively we're seeing some of the same mistakes week in week out they're not overly egregious because, our, like I said, our defensive numbers kind of on its own look pretty good. There's just uh, some things within the game that you just you don't like. You don't like to see. Um, not looking for the football, you know, that's back with the fiery passion of Christ, unfortunately. Um, uh, shades of Dwayne Jarrett catching the ball over Ambrose, Wooden, Ambrose Wooden's head. Just rude. look for the damn ball. But uh, missed tackles and just... Um, uh, I don't say purposely. It's not on purpose, but it, I guess know the phrase to use. You're setting up blitzes to where you're leaving your true freshman defensive backs in a situation that maybe they can't quite grasp yet. Not because they're not any good. They're just they're still learning. So you know, I put on the defensive side, I put that on the coaching. But offensively, uh, with Tommy Reese, man. It's like every week we see this new thing that you're like, why are we seeing this now? Or then we see things that you're like, why are you showing us this now in terms of not this game? If you have that in your your playbook, save it for a game that matters. Mitchell Evans, QB sneak. I'm, I'm going to keep bringing it up because I swear if we never see that again, I'm going to be pissed. Because that UNLV is not the time to break that move out. And if we never see an evolution of it, I'm going to be even more mad. Because again, why are you showing Syracuse and Clemson and USC that play and then you never use it again or a variation of it or whatever? Just, but and then the, the Lindsay sweeps. Great. Why do you take game seven to figure this out? That should have been part of your offense from the jump. Especially when you, you see Lindsey's healthy, guys. Lindsey's finally healthy. He's fast. He's getting open. Drew Pine can't hit, throw it to him for whatever reason. Um, but we got to get him involved the best we can because he, he is he has value. That's that is what it comes down to is Tommy Reese has struggled to find the value in what each player is capable of. He doesn't know how to use it right. And is extremely, extremely, extremely frustrating. If Tommy Reese doesn't understand what, what our players' value is and what they can do, and set them up position to succeed, uh, I think that has a hell of a lot more to do with our four and three start than it does injuries and/or players themselves. You know, uh, and players, you know, you can talk about execution. And it's gotten a lot better. 
I, I, I'll keep saying it, it has gotten a lot better. Now it's becoming more a part of execution. Uh, but there's still a, a big enough piece of this puzzle that is still, why does it look like this grab bag offense where nothing goes, nothing flows together? It's very random. While the plays are fine, they just don't seem to sync up and make sense. So in that regard, I wouldn't call it full-blown bingo. I mean, it's like, oh, I just got to run this random play. It's plays that uh, are fine, but they don't just, I don't know, they don't flow. You know, so and as far as the players, I, I, I can't put it on the players. I it, To me, there's, yes, there's an element of the players being able to execute and, and whatnot. Um, but there, there's plenty of talent on this team that we should be 6-1 and one or could be 6-1. and one. Um, So right now I'm going to put it mostly on the coaches. If I had to divvy up the percentages, um, I'm putting zero on the refs. Sorry, not going to do that. I would say, what, like 70% is on the coaches. Like, 15% no 20% on the, the players and like 5% on injuries it's mostly on the coaching so thank you Sean for the question uh, next up we got a loyal listener uh, Regisan42 I appreciate you buddy Love you always tune in always is very supportive I appreciate you guy um, so his question isn't about the game or Syracuse or anything really. Just he wants to see a five foot nothing pod, always Irish horseman pod collaboration podcast episode because we all have different ways of going about talking about the the game and the team, and he thinks it'd be fun. It would be fun, and uh, I tell you what, if you can piece some things together, if someone has this technology, you have already had this, and you just don't know it. Um, I'm kind of the link between it all. Uh, I was on, you know, uh, Sean, well, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty confident it was Sean. It, but I'll be honest, it may have been the Horseman pod. It may have been the four Horsemen I was on first, but I'm pretty sure it was Sean. Um, but the, the, the guys at the four Horsemen, um, I was on there multiple times as a guest and, Kind of gave me a little bit of confidence that you know what I can start this, and real quick, keep up keep up with me. Watch for the changes. Uh, I did a brief stint on radio um, years ago. I'm trying to think how long ago this was. I was still married, for perspective. Uh, <laughs> so this was pre two thousand fourteen. Um, but I did a, a short deal. Uh, I was on the radio for you know four or five months, uh, very part time, and. So I, I always kind of had that confidence, but the, the podcast thing is very different. You know, just very different setup, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, I think I was on the – I was definitely a part of the Horseman and had a blast doing that. Um, so if you go back to the early stages of the Four Horsemen pod, you'll get to hear me on there doing my thing with them. And as far as Always Irish, now with his call-in show, uh, I've tried to make a point to call on Fridays. I can make that work with my schedule for work. Um, 
my Fridays are, are pretty well scheduled and I end up with, with free time uh, right at 9 a.m. So if you want to hear what me and John sound like going back and forth, uh, shout out to John at Always Irish. Tune into his live call-in show tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And I'm usually one of the first callers. Um, I try to get on there. Like I said, I've, I've got time. My I've got a scheduled Friday meeting. I say meeting, but it's just what time they ask me to go every Friday. And it's about 9.45. So I've got 30, 45 minutes to kill. Well, while John, John shows on in the morning, I, you know, get coffee and whatever. But, yeah, tune in to Always Irish tomorrow, and you can hear what me and John sound like going back and forth. You go back years, literally years, you will hear what I sound like with the Four Horsemen. Now, all three of us together, that hasn't happened. It probably would be fun. Maybe that's something that I say the three of us, but it's three accounts, but what, five individuals, three guys from the horsemen and me and john that would be fun that'd be a fun thing to do for sure so we'll we'll see if um there's a way to make that happen no promises though but i can tell you i can promise if you tune into always Irish live calling show you're gonna get a little bit of five foot nothing happening and uh i gotta give him the love because uh when i do call into a show he's a, he's a great guy and you know shouts out my podcast and you know hey we're all friends here. We're all doing the same thing. We're all having fun making content about Notre Dame football. So it's all it's all friends. So listen to listen to him, listen to me. Have fun. All right. Uh last question from Shags at Shags, but S C H A G G Z Shags. Why not give Angeli a shot at this point? Honestly, we've got nothing to lose, and he has a perfect ending name, just like Golden Tate. It just makes sense. And, all right, Shags, I want to see peanut butter and jelly time just as much as anybody else, because that sounds like fun, and it's way better than whatever the Drew Pine experiment has been, maybe. Because we really don't know. We don't know what to expect. And as I, I kind of answered your question already when I was talking about Syracuse, you can't just start making changes to make changes because the season is not entirely lost. I mean, it kind of feels that way. Like, what do we have? We've got nothing to lose. We do, though. If we start playing even worse and putting players in positions who are not ready to fully succeed and be better, uh, what does that say to recruits? What does that say to the current team? Because keep in mind, with this new transfer portal, NIL, all that stuff, you have to continuously recruit your own kids that are already on the roster. That never stops. It's Recruiting is harder than it's ever been. It's not, oh, he signed with Notre Dame, lock, lock, stock, barrel. We got him. We're good. Throw the key away. He's ours. No. No, 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 no. You got to keep the – the positivity and the the outlook on the the team and with these players, we can't have recruits watching this going, oh, look, Notre Dame pretty much gave up on the season. They're playing like they literally have nothing to lose. Like, but why do I want to play for a team that's going to give up 
seven games into the season? Like, no. So I think that has to be a part of it. Now, if Pine continues three games in a row to show he can't hit the receivers, because here's the thing, he's limited in so many ways. One thing he had going against North Carolina and BYU was completion percentage. That has taken a an unfortunate turn sideways against not good Stanford team and a not good UNLV team. So we got to see what's up with that. But what I do think should be happening is Angela needs to be getting more more reps with the first team and getting more integrated into having to come in because Pine isn't afraid to run. He's he's got some mobility to him. Like I, I told he's he's literally the lesser Ian Book. He's shorter, he's got a weaker arm and he's a little bit slower. He's le- or not slower, but just less mobile, he's less elusive. Um, but he's taken some hits. In fact, he took a targeting hit against UNLV that Angeli came in. But that's to answer your question, the Angeli time on the field against UNLV tells you everything you need to know. Once One ball, they wouldn't even let him touch. They gave it to Mitchell Evans. They did not let him throw. They weren't even an option. So they clearly there's still some learning curves happening. So I don't. I don't think Angeli coming in is the answer because there's still, with today's college football, you can't tank and get the first overall pick. That's not a thing. You have to continue to show these incoming recruits and potential recruits that you're still trying to win football games and you know how to adjust and improve. And maybe that is bringing in Angeli. I just don't know if it's right now because there was an opportunity against UNLV and they – Reese and Freeman and the offense of coaches decided you're not throwing the ball. You are literally just going to hand it off. So, and one time we're not even going to let you touch it. How about that? <laughs> so, <laughs> I I just I don't think he's the answer quite yet. Um, but he absolutely needs to be getting reps to potentially come in and 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 be be ready to be that guy. No question, no question about that. I just think you have to think bigger picture here because the season's not totally lost. And I, I realize, I said, we're playing to ruin Syracuse and Clemson and USC season, so that's not playing for much. But bigger picture, forget those three games and, oh, we can upset them. And, oh, we're going to go 9-3. and three. It's just the you need to show everybody involved, current players, uh, recruits already committed, target targeted recruits that hey yeah it doesn't look great right now for Notre Dame but look we're we're still putting our our best options we have on the field and we're trying to win every single football game we haven't decided up oh, never screw this let's just let's just play all the freshmen and see what happens it, you can't do that so and again we had a a slight glimpse into what they think of Angeli right now and obviously it's not that much. But you have to believe weekly they're getting him more and more involved for the possibility that he's going to have to actually run the offense. And they better be prepared for that. So we'll see. But So that's that. those are all the questions. I know I didn't give a ton of notice on it. It was kind of 
out of nowhere. But I think I want to do it again. That was a lot of fun. I had fun with that. So we'll probably bring that back again. Maybe we'll just do it on every preview episode. I don't know. We'll figure out a way. Um, but the last, two more things. But this is also kind of a, well, not really a Q&A, but um, a review. And it was like a month, it was about a month ago, and I just noticed it now, honestly. Um, I appreciate it, and we're going to read it now. I will say, however you're listening to me right now, Spotify, Apple, wherever, whatever rating you can provide, stars, thumbs up, donuts, whatever rating system they've got, give me a five star, five thumbs, five donuts, five bags of popcorn, um, I have fun with this. I am doing it for fun. But no, seriously, tell me what you really think. I I played sports. I take criticism. If you think I can be better and do better and there's things I'm doing you don't like, tell me. I I don't mind it. I, I love I'm I enjoy interaction. I literally am talking to myself for what, over an hour now? Like I, I can do back and forth without you actually being here. Let's go. But I did get a review. Great. And here it is. It was on Apple Podcast. Great ND pod for the people. And it's really why I do this. You guys have fun with it. I have fun with it. And this was from. It says touchdown in heels. But like all the vowels are missing. It's really weird. T-C-H-D-W-N-Z. N H E E L Z is touchdown and heels. But anyway, he or she, because it says in heels, I feel like that might be a woman in some stilettos. Thank you for listening. Um, I say this with the most genuine goodness, but I feel like I'm listening to my dad podcast about college football and the things he saw throughout the weekend and during the ND game. It is hard to podcast by yourself. Great to listen to recap the game and other scores. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's funny that you say you feel like you're listening to your dad podcast because when I do my recaps, some of the things I say are actually my dad's words and I'm just using them. I mean, a lot lot of it's, you know, five foot nothing's brain working overtime. But, no, I call my dad after every single Notre Dame game as soon as it's finished, and we discuss it for like an hour. That's just our thing. has been since I've no longer been sitting next to him watching the games. I've been on my own. So you are kind of listening to your dad podcast about Notre Dame football, you know. And uh, to say it's hard to podcast by yourself, that's relative. Um, it is because you have to get your thoughts going and there's nobody to break it up. There's nobody to interrupt or interject, which that could be a positive. Um, but it's you all the time. You actually have to literally have conversations with yourself. And the beauty of it for me is I'm in outside sales. That's what I do for a living. So speaking is not an issue, if you can't tell. But I also, if you're in a sales role, 
you have to kind of have conversations with yourself, kind of anticipating what, in my case, a doctor or nurse might say regarding my product and what answer I might have to provide. So it's just, it's the same concept, just different details when I do this. I think about what questions might be asked of Notre Dame and then I'm here effectively answering them. And to recap the other scores, a lot of it is just an opportunity to make fun of other teams. Truth be told, I I love making jokes. I love laughing. I live to laugh. I really do. And if I can make fun of Iowa every single Saturday, golly, I'm going to do it. And I do it because it's fun. But specifically this year, it's going to help me feel just a little bit better about Notre Dame's offense. So, but thank you, Touchdown and Heels, for the review. You bring a review, I will read it, and you'll get a shout-out. So, Touchdown and Heels, I, I feel like you're a woman. I hope I'm right. So, thank you. Thank you. That's probably my mom. I don't even know. She's like, I feel like I'm listening to your dad. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I doubt she listens. She wouldn't know how to find Apple Podcasts. <laughs> anyway, um, the last thing I'm going to finish with is what I started with. There are only so many Saturdays. you got to make them count. Right? Only so many Saturdays. Make them count. The greatest tagline in college football history. So please go to SaturdaysCount.com, enter promo code ND5, and you'll get 40% off your entire order. Go there. It'll make a great gift. And more importantly, if you've been hearing me talk about it and you're like, man, I want to get a shirt, well, here's a great chance to do it for almost half off. I know 40% isn't quite 50, but it's damn near close. So go there, check it out, and like I said, you can literally get any color scheme you want. It's, it's only so many Saturdays, make them count. It's, it's so literal. It's perfect. So go check them out. They've been good to me. It's time for us to give back to them. ND5, 40% off. Go check them out. All right, now that I've gone on and talked to myself, which is apparently not that hard for me to do for an hour and whatever, 15, 20 minutes, whatever I've been doing, I do apologize for the length of this, but I added some new elements. So, you know, thank you. And uh, part of the reason it was an hour and 15 minutes is at UNLV Rebel Girl, um, Syracuse is actually worth knowing about because they're 6-1. and one. They're not UNLV football. So maybe if you listen to this one, you can kind of get an understanding of why I went in a little bit of depth of Syracuse and not UNLV, who we played like trash and still won by 23. I told you UNLV was going to sneak in here. There you go. It took a while, but we got there. But... Seriously, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for the reviews. Go to SaturdaysCount.com, ND5, enter the promo code, get your shirts, 40% off. Let's do it. And next time you will hear me, if you choose to do so, is tomorrow morning on Always Irish. Call in, and you might hear some of the same stuff, but he's got a whole slew of listeners that I can only dream of getting to, so maybe we'll draw some of them over here. We'll see. But next time you'll see me is dropping bombs at 10.30 a.m. on a Saturday. 
You know Irish Car Bomb Saturday is coming. We need more people in on I need to make two posts to get all of the people tagged that I need to tag and make this so much fun. But thank you all. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. Until Saturday, go Irish, beat Orange. Five for nothing, hundred nothing, out.